Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. Amen, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we ask you this day that your Spirit will come upon us this morning, that you will be with us as we go through this talk today, and that, our, that your word will flow through our bodies so that your work can be done in the world today. Lord, we pray that if there's a soul out there who's got a hole that needs to be filled with, with God's love, that somehow your message today will get to them and they will be drawn closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Son. Amen. You're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today we're sitting down with Wade Berza, the lone survivor of the December plane crash in Lafayette. Wade is recounting how life as he knew it changed in 48 seconds and how he experienced God's miraculous presence, kept him his unwavering faith, and felt the powerful love of his family. Welcome to the show, Wade. Hey, good morning, Todd. How you doing? Good morning. Good. And my guest uh, host today is Wade's good friend, Jeff Benton, and my good friend. And uh, welcome to the show, Jeff. Yes. Thank you for having me. All right, Wade, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, I think I've already broken podcast rule number one and two. I said morning twice. <laughs> so I apologize for that. But uh, no, you know, I, I'm blessed to be here. Just excited to be here. It's been a long year. 2020's had a lot to offer us. Um, we, we've been through a lot of trials and tribulations, but you know, I'm just like everybody else out there, somebody who's fighting through it every day. Uh, obviously, December 28th was a was a, a challenging time and it in- introduced a whole lot of challenges for myself and for our family, but we're going through it day by day with God's grace and, and making the best of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you uh, where I was. We were at the LSU game and um, heard the news. We were eating lunch right before the game and heard the news and just couldn't believe it. And uh, you know, um, being from Lafayette and ha- having that happen, it just just heartbreaking. But you know, tell us. Go ahead and tell us a story about that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things you never expect to happen to you, right? You got you got to think about that morning. And this is probably something that a lot of people experience on a day-to-day basis. I woke up that morning, LSU's playing in the college football playoff. That's something that is not guaranteed to ever happen in your life. I'm a big LSU fan. Me too. And, and here it is, our team is playing in a college football playoff. That in and of itself is pretty cool. Special place. But on top of that, that day I was going to kind of be the fulfillment of, of something that one of my best friends and I had talked about a lot. Vaughn and I had talked often about, hey, maybe one day we'll get to go on the private plane to an LSU road game and watch him play. And it's so cool. And he talked about it because he got to do it one day. So that morning we wake up. And at that time in our life, you know, it's Christmas had just finished up. We'd spent a lot of time with our family. I was planning how the next day my, wife, my mom was coming over and we were going to cook a brisket. You know, I had it sitting in the, in the fridge and it was all seasoned up. I got on the plane that morning. And I'm sitting knee to knee with one of my best friends, right? This is a man who I met years and years ago. He actually went to school with my dad. But we met professionally about 10, 11 years ago. And he became a mentor for me and a boss. And from there, we we built a relationship. And and to the point where that day, we were best friends. I loved him like a brother. And we're sitting knee to knee that day. And we're worried about all kind of other stuff in the world, right? You know, you got stresses for work. What we're going to do next week. My mom's coming. What, what, we're worried about all this other stuff. But that day we were really excited. And, and we're sitting there. We're drinking cocktails. And we're on top of the world, you know. Couldn't have been any better. And then 48 seconds later, less than one minute later, I'm sitting in a seat strapped to a piece of metal smaller than a dinner table. 
burned on 80% of my body and I'm completely alone and I don't know if I'm going to live or not, right? And in that moment, I'm actually fighting for my life. And, and everything changed that quick, you know? The day before, I was worried about what goals I was going to set for next year. And in that moment, it's, it's not what am I going to do next year? Is my, do I have another second mm. on this earth, you know? And, and so I was blessed, though. I've, I've had some good mentors, Vaughn being one of them, Jeff has led me through through a lot of changes in my life and and in that moment my first reaction my first gut reaction was not today i'm not going today mm-hmm. and i think god instills us with a warrior spirit especially especially men he, he gives us a warrior spirit amen and, and it's been evident all through through time when you think about saint peter you know saint peter wasn't when you think about he wasn't the male version of Mother Teresa, okay? Let's mm-hmm. be honest. So St. Peter was a warrior. There was a, an entire army of people that were coming to take his best friend from him, and he pulled a sword out and cut his ear out. Now, Jesus corrected the situation. That wasn't the right way to go about it, but that's the kind of spirit he gives us, right? Yeah, yeah. So in that moment, that warrior spirit took over, and I said, not today. And then the second thing that happened is I've, I've been fortunate throughout my life. People have taught me about envisioning the things that you want, and I had a picture on my vision board that I, that I maintain every year of my family, and it's an intact family. We're all there together. It's an Easter Sunday picture, uh-huh. and there's been a lot of turmoil in our family and stuff, and so I have that picture because I wanted to make sure that keeping that family intact was always front and center in my mind. Uh-huh. And so I saw that picture. Now, yeah. I want to be clear. I didn't see a picture of my family. I saw that picture of my family. I saw... My two stepsons. When did you see it? Immediately after I said, not today. Uh. So there's a moment, it's like, not today. And then the panic hits. What do I do? How do I get out of here? And then I pictured that picture immediately after that. And that's what got me to act in that moment, right? It was, I didn't know what to do, where to go. And then training kicked in. I'd been been fortunate enough to have been through some uh, oil and gas offshore training and stuff and learned how to escape helicopters and things. And to, to be completely frank, none of that training was applicable to that moment, but it gave me something to think about. Uh, and it took away the panic, you know? So I, I unbuckled myself from the seat. And, and at that moment, I, was, I knew that I was hurt, but I didn't know how bad. And I just wanted to get out of the plane. And so it, it's kind of, from a biblical term, it's kind of, uh, it's almost a visionary type thing. Like on one side, there was fire. And on the other side, there was not. It was daylight. Yeah. So... I'm going to go away. I didn't know where I was going or what was there, but I knew it wasn't fire, so I'm going that way. Yeah. So I took off going. It felt like I, I walked through that field for a long time, but it was so muddy it might have been five feet. I don't know. And yeah. then I fell to my knees, and the only thing that I could think to do in that moment was to cry out for help. And my initial gut reaction was to say our Father, and then it came to me that I needed to pray a rosary. So I started praying the rosary. Wow. Now, here's, here's where, you know, I'm not a very good Catholic. I got through like three Hail Marys, and I never finished that rosary. <laughs> but I got through, got through those three or four Hail Marys, and, and I looked up, and these two men were coming out to the field. Now, you got to understand, at, at this point in time where I was, I did not know how far we had flown. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have any concept of how, how, how far, how long we'd been in the air. We could have been in the, the, still in the airstrip. Mm-hmm. there in Lafayette, or we could have been somewhere in, in the marsh south oh, of Pecan Island. I have no idea where we are. 
I just knew it was muddy and the grass was long mm -hmm. and there was nobody around. And so initially my, I'm praying just for somebody to know that we're here. Yeah. And these two men come running towards me and, and they get to me and they help me pick me up back to my feet and we walk away from the fire and we go and we sit down a little close to the road where we're going to wait for the paramedics to show up. Right, right. And, uh, you know, at this moment, that's when I really start to grasp what's going on and how bad of a situation this is. Some of the things that come to mind when you're telling this story is, you know, when you went to the light, you know, I guess you could say, right? And uh, But then you said, not today. I'm not going to that light. You know, we're going to try and go to the, the life light. But another thing that I think about is that mud probably saved your life, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you look at it like that. I mean, it probably padded that landing a little bit. Yeah, look, I'll tell you, there's been uh, my brother-in-law is a, an engineer, and uh, there's been a lot of people that have tried to analyze what it was that saved my life. I, the mud probably helped. I'll tell you this, though, in human terms, in the things that we can statistically calculate, I've not, I haven't found anybody that can give a, a, a earthly reason why I'm here. Yeah, and, you said earlier about um, it was a piece of metal about the size of a, a dinner table. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you're talking about the whole aircraft at that point was. That's all that I, there, there was. There was there was wreckage strewn everywhere, but that was all that I was left on was an intact piece of metal the size of a dinner table. Yeah. You know, if you, the, if you think about it, you know, ESPN does these win probability things. If you ever watch a football yeah, game sure. in the midst for for the degenerate gamblers, yeah. and and so they'll they'll put out there, you know, this team has X percentage of chance right. of winning. If they would have had a win probability at the time that that plane began its crash, my win probability would have been way below one percent. Mm -hmm. Way below. Way below. Right. So it's it's a miracle in and of itself that I was alive when we hit the ground. Mm -hmm. That's only God can do that. Yeah. Now, from that point forward, once I got out of the plane. And those two men helped me to my feet, and then we walked to the to the side of the road, and I sat down. Even at that point, had they done an, another analysis, then it would probably been five percent, maybe, mm -hmm. chance of living because they haven't done a medical evaluation. They don't know what's going on. Right. Right. So it's at that point I'm sitting on the side of the road with a five percent chance of living. But here's the thing, right? Here's here's the difference though. When I stood up from saying that hail mary, I had a peace that came over me. I was convinced that I was going to be okay. And, and here's how convinced I was that I was going to be okay. I sat on the side of that road, and I start looking out, and I could see how bad it is. And I started to get the, the feeling that if there are other survivors, there won't be many. Yeah. And I knew in this world, this day and age, right, all the, the good and bad of social media, it wasn't going to take long for word to get out that our plane had crashed yeah. and that there were – limited survivors at best and that my wife was going to get that news and she wasn't going to be sure if it was me right and so at that moment i started trying to reach for my phone and i couldn't I, my hands were just they were shot i couldn't get to it so i asked the gentleman who helped me out of the field to to borrow his phone and and he, by the grace of god i was completely alert and aware i gave him my wife's phone number he calls her and, and he explains to her look your, your husband's been in a crash he wants to talk to you and so she gets on the phone, and I convinced her in that moment. I was so convinced that I was going to be okay that I convinced her in that moment, hey, everything's okay. Yeah. It's going to be all right. My, my poor wife, who is an amazing, amazing woman. I, even before this, she was going straight to heaven without, <laughs> without passing go. I mean, I, I put, her, put her through a lot. But 
she she was so convinced that I was okay that she packed an overnight bag for the hospital. <laughs> she thought she thought I was going to get a band aid and get back in, right, in the right. car and come home, you know. But that wasn't the case, and, and you know because the grace of God came over and had that peace because that warrior spirit. Uh, I get into the ambulance, right? I'm going to kind of fast forward, but I get into the ambulance, and I, I'm a firefighter. I'm a former volunteer firefighter, so I understand burn injuries and things like that, and I understand the grave nature mm-hmm. of what's going on here. And I hear the paramedic. He's he's right behind me, and he reaches down. He's calling in the uh, the injuries to the to the hospital, and he calls in. And he says, "We got a, a white male, mid 30s, uh, burned on 75 to 80 percent of his body." And in that moment, like it hit me, like this is this is pretty serious. Uh-huh. But here's where God instills the right type of attitude and where it can make such a big difference in whether you live or die, whether you win or lose, whether you succeed or fail, whether you look at good things as good as good things or bad things as good things, right? Because mm-hmm. God didn't, can turn anything bad into something good Amen. if we have the right attitude and we listen to him. But in that moment, my first thought was, dang, this is going to be a long recovery. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. Like, There's no reason for me to believe anything other than I'm in a bind, I'm not going to make it. But it, that's not where I was. Yeah, I knew that I was going to make it and I knew that I had a long recovery ahead of me but i was going to recover i know that wish that again our listeners could see his eyes because the holy spirit's all inside this man and uh, but i know that that holy spirit was inside of you prior to this accident and i heard uh you and i have a little bit in common i heard you were a cursiesta yeah and that uh when 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 someone told me there was one survivor that's how the news came back to me because that's my circle and they said, hey, the one guy that survived was a cursey. I said, you know, and I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, that's pretty awesome. Uh, but tell us a little bit about what, what your prayer life, what your spiritual life was like prior to, to the accident and, uh, and how Cursia had an effect on getting you to that point. So I, I want to make, make sure everybody understands this first. There were six fantastic people, well, mm-hmm. five fantastic people and me. <laughs> on that airplane and there was yeah. also by all accounts a fantastic woman who was uh, injured as a, a bystander right and, and she's doing well as well but i'm not here today because i didn't survive the plane crash because of my faith right mm-hmm. i'm not a better right. person than anybody there. as a matter of fact i'm i'm more like saint peter than than anybody else god has to keep on going out there i'm the lost sheep i'm the hundredth sheep that he's got to go back and he leaves the 99 and goes get me and keeps bringing me back <laughs> but to answer your question directly todd i, I um I've, I've had a challenging over my life I had a challenging relationship with god you know there was a time you, know, you made i made my confirmation and then i was on fire and then after that it fell off then i you know went through a period of time where I went through some trials and tribulations in my life and it got to a point where i actually hated god I knew he was there. It's not that I didn't believe in him anymore. I was just so angry at him that I didn't mm-hmm. want to be his friend. And I was okay with whatever that meant. And made a lot of mistakes over about a four or five year period of my life where I was angry at him. I was angry at the fairer sex. I, didn't, I, thought, I thought women were, were out to get us. And, and so, you know, I made a lot of terrible decisions over this time. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate. Um, there was a man. There was a lot of, I have a lot of good friends who all reached out. But there was kind of a moment for me. Uh, a man, his name is Dr. Justin Fontenot. He actually lives in Lafayette, just out of the blue. He, his wife and my wife are really good friends. He reached out and invited me to that man is you 
mm-hmm. meeting. And at that time, I was kind of already going. And by the time I met my wife, I had already started to make my spiritual transition. But I thought that, hey, once I stop being an idiot and I stop actively hating God, I'm set. I'm going to heaven. And then he gave me another hill to climb. Right. And then I climbed that one. I'm just going to go, I'll just go to church every Sunday. <laughs> Yeah. Then he gave me another hill to climb, and another right. hill, another hill. Well, one of those hills was when Justin invited me to go, that man is you. And it took me like three years to get to the top of that hill. Uh-huh. And But through that process, I met some good men, eventually found the that man is you group close to my hometown in Church Point. Nice. And, and started going to that. Had some really close friends. That's an important thing. Like I, I have really faithful men in my life who are really good friends. They hold each other accountable. And they invited me to go and make a Crusia retreat. And listen, I showed up over there, and I thought for sure, like, this is, this is just way more than I can bite off right now. I don't, I don't belong here. Uh, but some really cool stuff happened. I'm, I'm glad you asked about the Crusader Retreat specifically. Some really cool stuff happened. I'll tell you one thing. Through our work with Jeff, we did some work through our business about defining our core values. So right before my Crusader Retreat, I defined my personal core values. What do I stand for? Yeah. One of them stood out. It said, I love to lead. Uh-huh. And then it started bothering me. I was like, well, why do I love to lead? You don't want to lead. You want to be the boss. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make my Garcia retreat, and I'm going to shut up the whole week. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to be quiet, Yeah. and I'm going to follow. Well, I'm not going to be the boss of anything. I see. First thing that happens is they pick me as the table <laughs> leader. <laughs> the, first table, the first table leader selected, right? <laughs> The first table leader selected at St. Peter's table. Mm-hmm. St. Peter was a big old tall man wow. who makes a bunch of mistakes throughout his whole life. I got goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> makes a whole bunch of mistakes throughout his whole life. But people followed him, right? Yeah. So I'm the table leader of St. Peter's table first day. And then they're talking, and, and I'm not listening. And our sponsor on the side of me elbows me in the ribs and says, hey, he's talking to you. I said, he can't be talking to me. I'm not, he's talking to the table leader. He said, yeah, that's you. God's got a different plan for you, man. Yeah. But fast forward, listen, it was, it was a week, weekend where I learned about sacrifice and what real, real prayer was in my relationship with God it took a whole different meaning. Yeah. And I tell this to people all the time. If, if I had been through something like this five years ago, I would not have been prepared for it. I, I would have crumbled. Right. Even if I made it through the plane crash, I would have crumbled in the hospital. I probably wouldn't have made it out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. But because I had been through that and was prepared for it spiritually, I knew where to turn when the accident happened. I knew what to do and where to go, and I knew that I'd be okay because of the work that happened with my friends, because people acted and took action and invited me to do these things, and because I went to the retreat and began that process. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm still far from a saint. still got a long way to go. We all do. you know. I, but I think that's kind of part of the, the ask of is. is just get better. You know? That's right, and, and, and always keep striving. You've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Wayne Barasas. He is the lone survivor of the December plane crash here in Lafayette. Our co-host is Mr. Jeff Benton, a good friend. And uh, Jeff, I'll turn the question over to you. I have a few questions, but go ahead if you have if something for Wade. Yeah, well, you know, and um, I was, you know, I, I told Todd, you know, working on this book, My People Are Cray Cray, and we did actually a radio program. And part of that part in the book we talk about mood mindset and demeanor it's your attitude towards your mindset towards things in life whether it's it's your spouse your child your work overcoming a situation winning a game anything it's your mindset 
And it seems like the, one of the big graces that you got was God says, you're going to have to have a mindset that you're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And you had it. I think you probably already had a tendency for that, that, that strong thinking of succeeding before. But I think God, it sounds like God just powered it up and say, yep, we need you to live and we need you to have a mindset that it's, we're just going to work right through this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the number one thing I, I want to get across is our attitude and how we approach things can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. If you have a positive attitude, you're more open to God's grace and you're willing to see the good that can come out of a bad situation. Yeah. Another thing is this. I talked a, a second ago about being prepared mm-hmm. for this because of where, where I was in my life. That happened not because of things that I did on my own, but because... God put in my life on purpose specific people who helped to develop me. Now, I will tell you this. Jeff, maybe maybe you were the only one. But I don't think anybody who helped me to build these these attitude muscles, I'll call them, throughout my life and taught me these lessons and helped prepare me knew that they were preparing me to save my life in a plane crash. Yeah. They were preparing me to be a better football player. No coincidence. They were preparing me to 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 be a better businessman to they were preparing me to understand my family a little better. They were preparing me to, to be a better prayer man, right? They didn't expect that it would have to manifest itself in the way that it did, but it did. That's how yeah. it happened, right? And so that's why everything that we do, we don't know what God's plan is for us or for anybody else, but he has one, and he has put us where he needs us on purpose to teach us those things. Yeah. And so when that, you know, that, that bulldog mentality hit right away, Mm-hmm. Because my dad taught me that can't is not in the dex- dictionary. Yeah, you didn't say it in my house. Yeah, if you said it, you got punished. At best, you got punished, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you just didn't say can't. You you made stuff happen. Yeah, you got there and just did it. And there was and there were a lot of other people throughout my life who refused to allow excuses and who taught me that the way that you approach things. You know, my football coach in high school, Joel DeSalle goes to uh, he's at Menard down in Alexandria. He would tell us that winning is an adverb. It, it describes the way people do things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that winners have in common is they never believe they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Have the right attitude. Well, when I got to the hospital, because of the grace of God, because I was given this peace, I didn't waste energy on whether or not I was going to live or die. Mm-hmm. I spent all of my energy focused on having a good recovery and doing it the right way. Yeah. How long did it take you to recover? So it's a interesting question, and this I, I credit this to the to prayer, not my not my prayers, because unfortunately most of the time I couldn't pray in the hospital. But mm-hmm. when I showed up at the hospital, the doctors who are fantastic, look, our Lady of Lords in Lafayette is a fantastic group. Yeah, they did their pre or their admittance kind of pre- preparation meeting. I don't know what they call it technically, but they got all the all the staff together and they said they talked about my injuries, talked about the prognosis, and they said, okay, this man's going to be in the burn unit for at least three months. And what they didn't add into that is when you get finished with the burn unit, after three months in the burn unit, your body, your muscles have gotten to the point where you can't use them anymore. You still know how to do things, but your body doesn't know how to respond anymore. So you gotta go through rehab to get prepared to even get back to life. Mm-hmm. And then you come back to life and go through therapy. So they, they were probably expecting to be in the hospital somewhere around three and a half, four months uh-huh. at that point. In 52 days, I was out. You were out. Out completely. Like in less than, less than two months, I was through the burn unit, through rehab, and on my way home to go see my family. 
Yeah. Now here's the crazy thing: like the 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 doctors, even even to this day, just shake their head and they they can't believe it. They can't believe what happened. Yeah. It's not me, right? God performed miracle after miracle after miracle there. Because here's the thing: when I got to the hospital, we talked about the ESPN win probability. Yeah. When I got to the hospital after they completed their prognosis, right? I still had less than a 50% chance of living. And I had the best possible case. My lungs weren't burnt. I was yeah. in, in decent shape. You know, all that stuff. They said, yeah. all of those things factored in. He still has less than a 50% chance of living. And we expect him to be here three to four months. And I was out in less than two. And I'm yeah. way home. And that's, that can only be attributed to the, the people and the faith of the people around me. There were prayer services. There were rosaries. There were, there were masses dedicated. Every day I had Eucharistic ministers coming in to see yeah. if I could receive communion. Yeah, the, you, you had some prayer warriors, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> you know, I pray for my children every day, and my mom prayed for our family, and I think it's the only thing that, that got me to this point, I can tell you, is by the prayers of others. And someone was praying for you, you know, mm -hmm. all, all the while. I have a couple of crazy questions to ask you. Uh, did you ever see the LSU-Oklahoma game replay, I wonder? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. It, it took me a while to get it, right? Because uh, yeah. So they played it in the, in the hospital, obviously. I couldn't see it. But it, after several months, they, with, due to COVID, because they, they, yeah. they couldn't do anything else live, so finally they replayed on ESPN and I got to watch it. That was crazy. It was, uh, it was a miraculous game, too, man. I mean, it was, like, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So have you flown since? No. And I, don't, I told my wife in the hospital, I don't anticipate doing it again. Um, wow. Now, here's the thing. It's, we talked about this a little bit, but every second of your life is a gift, right? And, and we don't know how many of those gifts that we get in 48 seconds. My entire life changed. And we are death-obsessed as a culture today. And people are terrified to die. I mean, look at what we're doing just today, what's going on in the world. We're terrified of death. And, and we're not focused on living life. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to contradict that by saying that I don't want to fly because I'm scared of dying. It's really not. It, it's not the death that bothers me. I just don't have to go through the crash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but, but seriously, I, I, I think we've got to drive it home, man. I mean, it, yeah. The world is missing two things today. The world is missing an obsession with the, and an understanding of the gift of life. And, and why would we fear going to heaven? Right, this world is not everything. We go to heaven, and the second thing we're missing is real male leadership. If we just stood up as men and proved in the way that we lived our life that there's a God, but because of the way we live our life, and that we're not afraid to go yeah. see Him, we would change the world. Yeah. Just a minute left on the show. It's just been such a blessing to have you and. Uh, uh, just a great guy. My my first impression. I'm just meeting Wade for the first time. He's a big guy, and I think about him being on that little strip of metal coming out of that the sky. And that's a big guy, and you surviving. That's just it's just incredible. What a, what a, what an amazing testimony. I was in a near death crash experience. Not, not nothing like you had. We had a plane on a mission trip that caught on fire, and we were really scared. My daughter and I and. You know, I really have a pre-flight routine. I, I pray the rosary and look at the Magnificat, and I'm praying a lot, you know. And like you said, not so much to be scared, but, you know, hey, if it, God, if this is your will, go ahead. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. But uh, thank you so much for being on the show. You've been Indeed. a blessing to us. And, uh, you know, we love you. And, and we, uh, Jeff, uh, want to definitely 
reach out and say a prayer for all the, the people who perished in the plane. You know, we need to keep them in your prayers. Please, everyone, all our listeners out there, know that there are so much in our prayer. Be in my prayers every day. Amen. And uh, Jeff does an amazing uh, impersonation, uh, and I'm going to let him take the show out today. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, hi, this is Casey Casey, and you've had a special time today listening to the Ragin' Catholic Radio. The Ragin' Cajun Catholic Radio Station with your host, Mr. Todd Zitron. Thank you for listening. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's scary. God bless you. <laughs>